Welcome to the Distrust and Disparities Podcast, Voices from the Margins of Healthcare. On this podcast, we will explore both current and historical cases of medical injustices within the American healthcare system. We will get into how we can overcome this systemic mistreatment, advocate for ourselves, and close the gap on poor health outcomes and disparities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Camille White. I just felt that the medical system had let me down. And at that point, I felt like they're letting me down because of my race. It gave me a higher number than it would have if I were a white person or any actually any other race. In episode 12, we discuss kidney disease and how it disproportionately affects African-Americans. We cover Nicole Jefferson's story, a Black woman who was unable to get on the kidney transplant list due to a diagnostic kidney test that overestimates Black people's kidney function compared to non-Blacks. And we highlight the Northwestern Medicine African-American Transplant Access Program, which works to address the disparity in access to transplantation experienced by the Black community. Before we jump into this week's episode, we wanted to give you some background facts and statistics about kidney disease, because this topic is very complex. Even as a healthcare professional, I had to do some Googling and also pull out some old textbooks to clarify some information. So we just want to make sure you guys are able to keep up with this episode. Let's just dive into our discussion. So first, of course, you know, what is kidney disease? So kidney disease is a condition characterized by a gradual loss of kidney function over time. And that is known as chronic kidney disease or CKD. And just to give like a little mini kidney lesson, healthy kidneys have a really important job in your body. Your kidneys remove waste products and extra water from your body, and they help make red blood cells, keep your bones healthy, and they control blood pressure. So the main job or function of your kidneys is to filter your blood. All of our blood in our body goes through the kidneys several times a day. And like I said, they remove waste from the blood and adjust salts, fluid, and minerals. And then that waste is what is turned into urine. And most people have two kidneys, but actually your body can function well with only one kidney. As Camille just pointed out, your kidneys do a lot of things to keep your body functioning properly. And we're going to go into some of the risk factors for kidney disease and the risk factors that put your kidneys at risk of failing. So diabetes and high blood pressure are responsible for two-thirds of chronic kidney disease cases. Diabetes occurs when your blood sugar remains too high, and then over time, unmanaged blood sugar can cause damage to many organs in your body, including the kidneys and heart and blood vessels, nerves, and your eyes. While with high blood pressure, that occurs when your blood pressure against the walls of your blood vessels increases. If uncontrolled or poorly controlled high blood pressure, that can end up leading to heart attack, stroke, and chronic kidney disease. 
And then versely, chronic kidney disease can cause high blood pressure. So a lot of these risk factors and diseases are sort of co-related and you really have to make sure you're getting proper preventative care and tests and checks to make sure you don't have one thing that then can possibly lead to your higher risk of having and developing kidney disease. Yes, we cannot stress enough. If you have diabetes or hypertension, you need to be taking it seriously. You need to be following up with your primary care doctor on a regular basis. So we just wanted to make sure we stress those factors since, like Camille pointed out, diabetes and high blood pressure, they are the two leading factors. Yeah. And also when it comes to kidney disease, the early stages of it, there aren't really that many symptoms. So you won't see sort of red flag symptoms. You won't feel in a way that you know you need to go see a medical professional until you hit those late stages. And then that's when your body sends off alarms of something's wrong. You need to go seek medical help. You will then probably need dialysis and or a kidney transplant to continue living. And that's also the biggest part of it's all about preventative care and getting tested because those symptoms aren't present early on. They show up when it's when it's late stages and you need to take drastic measures then with your health to make sure that you can continue living. Exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. Diabetes and hypertension, they will slowly wear down the organs and also the vessels in your body. And like you were saying, you won't notice any dramatic changes until it gets to that point where your kidneys are in the later stages and are not functioning properly. So we want to stress preventative measures. We want to prevent you from getting diabetes, preventing you from having high blood pressure. If you do have diabetes or hypertension, you want to make sure you are managing it properly. If you're seeing a diabetes specialist, seeing a cardiologist, just making sure you're getting those regular checkups, regular blood work to make sure that you have tight control of these chronic conditions. And so we also wanted to point out some statistics. So Black people are four times more likely to suffer from kidney failure than non-Hispanic white people. That makes up for 35% of people on dialysis are Black people. But African Americans make up just 13% of the U.S. population. So there's clearly something wrong where we are in the minority in the population of the United States, yet we have such a significant um, number of us on dialysis. Black people are also less likely to get on the wait list for a kidney transplant, less likely to receive a transplant once they are on the list. And Black patients spend months longer waiting for kidney transplants than white patients do. So many barriers exists when it comes to kidney disease. The barriers are multifactorial. So it starts with prevention. So African-Americans, we have higher rates of hypertension and diabetes, but also when it comes to social economic, there's poor access to insurance, medical care. So this leads to delays in getting diagnosed And also studies have shown that kidney disease, it progresses faster in African-Americans, especially when it gets to that later stage. So we really want to focus on prevention and or slowing the progression of kidney disease. 
But like we said, these barriers make it hard to even diagnose those who are at risk for kidney disease. Mm -hmm. And genetics and biology, they only play a minor role in the risk. Other things such as social determinants of health, racism plays a big part going back to decades of social and economic injustice, Jim Crow segregation laws, unfair housing laws, the redlining of communities of color, even down to the unequal education systems and environmental racism. And the list can go on of factors that lead to some of these disparities. Mm -hmm. So that was just like a brief overview of our knowledge and research of kidney disease. We are in no way experts in nephrology, but check out our show notes and our social media pages for links to additional resources and information. So during research for this week's episode, I came across Nicole Jefferson's story when reading an article online from Y.org, and we'll have the article linked in our show notes. So Nicole Jefferson is a Black woman who had battled a series of health problems as she juggled a stressful job in the tech industry, and she was raising her daughter in 2003, Nicole wasn't feeling well, and she ended up going to the hospital, and she just thought she had a bad case of the flu. Upon getting to the hospital and people checking her out, she was told in the emergency room that she had to start dialysis immediately because her kidneys had shut down. And Nicole recalls her reaction was, I was like, wait, what? What are we talking about? Are you serious? Which I can't imagine. That's a lot to to take in. Working in the emergency department in Baltimore, we saw a lot of patients come in like this. And I was reading up. The term is called crashing into dialysis. Like we were mm-hmm. pointing out in the intro, you don't realize that your kidney function is declining or shutting down until it's too late. You go in not feeling well, and then they look at your blood work, your lab results, and it shows that your kidneys are not working properly. And it's a shock when this happens to patients. You're like, what do you mean my kidneys are not working? Like, I look fine. I'm just not feeling well today. What do you mean I have to go on dialysis? That's a lot to process in the Mm -hmm. emergency department, getting this news. So it's a lot to deal with. You have to make decisions right away because we want to put you on dialysis immediately so we can flush out this toxins and start clearing this fluids out your system. It's a life-altering diagnosis because you have to change so many things like your lifestyle, your diet. You have to go to dialysis three to four times a week. So imagine she's working in tech. She has to change her schedule, do different things. You think about how I'm going to be able to afford this, different medications. There's so many different factors when they say your kidneys are not working and that you need dialysis. Yeah, it's a huge shock. Mm -hmm. And Nicole ended up being on dialysis for several years. She was finally able to get a kidney transplant in 2008. So it took what? about five years for her to end up after receiving that shocking diagnosis to then be able to get a kidney transplant. 
And with that transplant, luckily she did well for many years after that. But apparently transplanted kidneys typically last about 10 years, which is so interesting and something I never knew where it's sort of, it's this life-saving operation, but it has a lifespan to it. You get like 10 years out of it and then you got to go back and get another one or you got to go back on to dialysis. Exactly. And that information was new to me as well. I didn't learn this in nursing school, but my uncle, he had to have a kidney transplant. And I believe, oh, he's got the kidney transplant. You know, he's doing better. He's taking his medications. But then the same thing with Nicole, approximately 10 years or so later, started not feeling well. And it just shows that the transplanted kidney is starting to decline as well. I thought once you get a new kidney, it's all good. You're set. Nothing you have to worry about. You know, you just have to take your medications and you'll be fine. But no, that's not the case. No, it's not at all where, yeah, you think it's a cure. You think you're good to go. Your life is saved. You have to alter your lifestyle, but you'll be fine. So Nicole got a kidney, but now the process to get back on the list to get another kidney is when she faced a lot of obstacles and issues. So when Nicole didn't feel well again, and it was a feeling that I'm sure she had felt originally that at first she thought was just a flu. She knew now something is wrong. In Nicole's words, so I begged my doctor to do a biopsy and he kept saying no because it wasn't warranted. And I said, well, I'll pay cash out of pocket. I just have a feeling which is one of those situations where here this Black woman is desperately advocating for herself, telling her doctor, something is not right. Something is not right. She knows her body and he's fighting her. He's fighting her on something of like, no, it's not warranted. Says who? Says you because you're the final say on this when this is where it's frustrating as a patient, as a member of a marginalized group as a woman, you're not being listened to. Where also in our healthcare system that, you know, instead of having universal healthcare for everyone, you're going through insurance companies to make sure things are getting paid for, even though they're not going to pay for everything. And Nicole is so sure of herself of, I will pay out of pocket for you to do this. Please look at my kidneys. Mm -hmm. She's alerting him. Hey, I'm starting to have some of the same symptoms that caused me to go on dialysis in the beginning. Like, can we look at this transplanted kidney to see what's going on? And he's like, no, it's, you know, based off our blood work or whatever he was looking at. No, at this time, we can't do this test. It's not, this is not the process. But she's telling you, hey, I'm not feeling right. Something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And the doctor still would not listen to her. And with this, Nicole went back and forth with her doctor for about six months until they finally gave in, until the doctor finally listened. And when the biopsy results came back, it showed that 90% of Nicole's transplanted kidney was scarred and it wasn't functioning properly. At that point, finally, waiting an additional six months after she already didn't feel well and knew something was off, she had to get back on a wait list for a kidney transplant at hospitals in her area. And she even tried to get on a list at a top hospital in Minnesota 
And their response to her was that we can't put you on the list because your kidney function is not down far enough, which makes absolutely no sense to me because you're telling me that a biopsy shows 90% of the kidney is just not functioning properly. 90%. What, you want her to get to 99? How is it that she's not far enough down to then be put on the list? So the doctors who determined transplant list eligibility, they were focusing on a race-based diagnostic test instead of accepting Nicole's biopsy results. And basically all that sort of boils down to, if Nicole was white, she would have qualified for the list. She would have qualified to have been put back on the transplant list and wouldn't literally still now again be in the process of fighting for her life to be able to get another kidney. Absolutely. You summed it up perfectly. Because with the biopsy and her results, she would have qualified. In the United States, a single number determines whether you're eligible for a kidney transplant. For the last two decades, a clinical laboratory test called EGFR which stands for Estimated Glomerular Filtration Rate, has been used to evaluate how efficiently a person's kidneys remove creatinine, a waste product they filter out of the blood. The EGFR equation reports a score based on measured creatinine levels while also considering a patient's age and gender. But Nicole Jefferson and countless others learned that the equation was different for her because she's Black. The equation factors in your race, specifically if you're Black, and calculates a separate result for people who identify as Black. So to fully understand Nicole's situation and the race-adjusted EGFR rate, we're going to take a step back. We're going to do another mini AP lesson. So we already talked about what the kidneys do, how they filter the blood and remove waste out the body. As your kidneys begin to deteriorate, you have a buildup of waste and fluid in the body. And as we pointed out, the early signs are very subtle and you don't notice them until your kidney function is in the later stages. In order to accurately assess what stage your kidneys are at and how well they are functioning, the doctor has to run a variety of tests. They specifically want to check in on the glomeruli, which is a network of small blood vessels inside the kidneys that are responsible for filtering the waste out. And they check the rate at which they filter the blood. So that's how you get that glomerular filtration rate that we were just talking about. Measuring GFR is a pretty complicated test It's complicated and it's also a lengthy procedure. It includes collecting a series of blood measurements as well as collecting your urine over a 24-hour period. If you're in the hospital, I've done this in the hospital. If you have a Foley, that's the easiest thing where we can just get it from your urine collection bag and we just store it in the proper container. If you're mobile, you got to make sure you pee in a cup or a urinal and do not flush that urine down the toilet. When I had a patient and we were doing this, it was like, I was constantly, make sure you don't flush, make sure you pee in the hat, pee in the cup, 
I'll get to another one. I had multiple cups and containers set up in the room. And Mm -hmm. if you're doing this one, it's even harder on an outpatient basis where you have to collect your urine and you have to store it. So if you're working, you have to carry around a container of urine and it goes into your refrigerator. Yeah, I don't see that working out over a 24-hour period if, like, you know, you showing up to the office and you got to put your little piss cup in the refrigerator. (laughs) Nobody wants that. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to do it. You would want to do it on a day that you're off. Mm -hmm. But you can see how this is a lengthy and complicated test. And so... Just seeing how complicated and time-consuming of a process, it's not usually done. So that's why instead the doctors use a formula, the estimated glomerular filtration rate, the eGFR, to calculate this rate because measuring it the what they call the gold standard way is such a complex process. So the way that they get the estimated filtration rate What they look at is a specific waste product in the blood, which is serum creatinine. And they also factor in your age, sex, and race. So you're probably wondering why there are only two race categories that you can be lumped into. Basically, you'll go into the black category or the non-black category. That makes no sense. You have a whole equation trying to test kidney function. This is a way to make things easier because the gold standard test takes so long and it's really involved, but you got down to the equation. It's just like, okay, this equation for black people. And this is the equation for literally everybody else that isn't black. So this race-based equation, it developed in the 1990s. So before this, they weren't factoring in your race. They were just using your age, weight, and the blood level of the creatinine. But that study, it only included about 249 white men. In the 1990s, Andrew Levy, who is currently the chief medical officer of the nephrology department at Tufts Medical Center, he was the leading researcher on a project called the Modified Diet in Renal Disease Study, So they were looking to see if people with kidney disease, if they lowered their blood pressure and also taking a low protein diet, if it would slow the progression of renal disease and kidney failure. In this study, they had about 1,600 participants. 12% were Black. It's an improvement from 0%, but still just 12%. In the study, they collected the gold standard kidney function measurement. So they were constantly taking blood and having the patients collect their urine. So in doing this test, they saw a correlation between creatinine levels and measuring the standard GFR. And they saw this as a way to develop a calculation that would be easier for doctors to calculate a person's kidney function. So basically, this was the first time doctors were able to compare the gold standard GFR, which was collecting the urine over 24 hours, as well as the blood test with just a single blood draw, which was your serum creatinine. That was the marker that they were looking for. And using this marker, 
they could come up with a calculation to predict your kidney function that was comparable to the gold standard. And I just want to point out that creatinine, because I feel like I've been saying that word a lot, so I just want to let you know what that is. Creatinine is essentially a breakdown of muscle in the blood. Your kidneys are able to filter out the creatinine so you can excrete it through your urine. So typically higher creatinine levels is associated with higher waste products in the blood, which typically means your kidneys are not functioning properly to excrete this waste product out. Different things can affect your creatinine levels, such as your age, your sex, your weight, and also the type of your diet, like bodybuilders and those that eat a higher protein diet typically have higher creatinine levels. Another interesting factor that the researchers found when doing this study, they found that the Black participants had higher levels of creatinine in their blood. So the Black participants, they had higher levels of serum creatinine in their blood, waste products, than the other participants that were in the study. And at the time, even to this day, they still don't know why there is a higher baseline level of creatinine in Black people's blood or the Black people that were in this study. And at the time when this study was done in 1990s, and I believe it was 1999, so right turn of the century, this is not that far from where we, where we are now. So at the time, researchers attributed Black people higher creatinine level with them being more muscular than white people. And where in the world does that even come from? Because that's like, what? Because I know I'm not more muscular. I am. That's, right. You thought it was going to be something more complex. Than yeah. It's like black people are more muscular. muscular than white people. And it's like, what? Like we know that goes back to slavery. Those ideas come out of slavery and how white people enslaved black people because we were seen as inferior, but we had the muscular bodies needed to do manual labor. Exactly. So as a result, in order to better predict the gold standard measurement observed in black study participants, the researchers introduced a multiplication factor for black people that increased their kidney function to make up for those higher levels of serum creatinine in their blood. So this is how we ended up with a black and non-black EGFR calculation. This came from the hypothesis that black people have more muscle mass than white people. <laughs> Makes right. no sense. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a researcher. I haven't conducted some sort of medical study, but I immediately have a million questions of that's it. That's all y'all. Okay. Y'all did right. this study and then that's your findings. And you're like, okay, black people, non-black people. We're good to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you're pointing out, this estimate and calculation, it was met with a lot of criticism from early on. And there was pushback against why are we doing this race adjustment in this calculation. Even the lead researcher, Levi, he had some issues with the study. So to begin with, the study, it only included people with kidney disease. So there weren't many healthy people in the study. And like we said, there was only a you small portion. You didn't have a portion. control group? So the study wasn't originally to look at creatinine or to come up with this calculation. Mm. The original goal of the study was to 
see how a low protein diet and controlling your blood pressure, if it decreased the progression of kidney disease. The original goal wasn't to come up with a calculation, but during their tests and this measurements, they had all this study data. So they were like, oh, we're seeing some correlations between the serum creatinine that were drawing in their blood work and their estimated with like the gold standard. So they were seeing oh, these okay. correlations, except mm-hmm. for in black people. It's like black people's using this calculation, their creatinine level is higher. So mm. this is strange. So, so then that's why they added the multiplication factor. Okay. So if anything, because they had this sort of offshoot of the study that wasn't intended, that should have activated, oh, let's actually now set up a brand new study that will truly investigate all of this and help us understand what is going on and why we're seeing this in the Black participants and not seeing it in other study participants. I want to point out, so they were receiving a lot of criticism because they were lumping people into two categories, Black and non-Black. They lumped the Asian and Hispanic patients into the white group. And because they were getting such criticism and also because like you were pointing out the million dollar question why is black people serum creatinine level they did end up repeating the study Mm, so they did do the study a second time so they did it with a larger group of participants there were eight thousand people participating black people made up 30 percent but asian and hispanic people they still made up a very small portion of the study. And they did see that Black people did have a higher level of serum creatinine than the non-Black participants. But they still could not determine the reason for why Black people had higher levels of creatinine in the body, which creatinine is the breakdown of muscle. They still couldn't figure it out. Mm. And they were still leaning on that, you know, Black people have more muscle mass. So despite not figuring out why they have higher levels of creatinine in the body, they published their results with the equation that had the race correction for Black participants. And once they did this, this became the standard throughout U.S. health systems to estimate kidney function. And what's so interesting, too, is that those results were published in 2009. So... Literally not that long ago, you have this second study done to go, huh, what's going on? You included more participants. That's wonderful. You still didn't have enough people, though, really uh, examining each different race and ethnicity. And you come out of it still not answering that question. And now we're still using today because it was only in 2009 that you had this equation that was adjusted for race, which you're still saying, Black people, non-Black people. Here's the equation to use. And this is what ends up messing over Nicole and so many other Black people mm-hmm. where, ignore the equation. Why are you so focused on the equation? Ignore the equation. She has a biopsy of her kidney that says 90% of it is failing. It is just struggling on its last leg. And because instead of really honing in on those results 
you're looking at some equation that's what been multiplied with that black person factor that what tells you it's not at 90 percent it's slightly better so she's not far along enough to really be put on the transplant list that's so ridiculous exactly and on lab work, everybody's lab work, whether you're black or not, it will show the EGFR and the black EGFR. Like that literally shows up on your lab results. If you had blood drawn that's checking like your kidney function, usually with most basic checkups, they will just check your kidneys when they draw blood. Mm-hmm. Go look at your lab results and you will see a EGFR and then a black EGFR. So they have the biopsy and they can also see that if they were using a regular EGFR, it would show that her kidneys are at the level where they are severely declining and that she needs to get on the transplant list. It's not like they don't include it on her blood work and only show the black EGFR. You see both numbers there. Mm -hmm. That's so frustrating where You know, she has these other results that truly show what's going on with her kidneys and what's supposed to be a top-notch hospital in Minnesota that Nicole talks about, they literally just refuse to look at that biopsy. And as she puts it, you're looking at a number and saying, because I'm Black, this is what's going on and I can't be listed. And that was so very frustrating. It doesn't make sense that they wouldn't look at the whole picture. And like we said, if she were white, if she were of a different race, she would have been eligible at that stage to get on the transplant list at that hospital. Right. It makes no sense. Having this separate race correction, it leads to so many different barriers and we'll get into possible disparities Mm -hmm. because When you're evaluating the kidneys and you see that their EGFR is declining or going down, they look at that number and it'll determine whether you get referrals to go see a nephrologist and also when you will get on that kidney list and also getting those preventative measures. So if you're saying, oh, their kidneys, based off the race calculation for Black people, it looks like they're functioning higher than they are. And one nephrologist was saying, we're assigning Black patients to have better kidney function. So there's a delay in terms of when they can actually get referred to be evaluated for the necessary services to slow the progression of kidney failure. Yeah. Some studies have shown that if we were to remove race from an estimated GFR equation, it would really change how patients at hospitals were treated. So it's estimated that one in every three Black patients with kidney disease would have been reclassified if the race multiplier wasn't applied when they were conducting early calculations of their GFR. And that means like with a quarter of them going from stage three to stage four chronic kidney disease. That's significant. Removing it also would help Black patients who are newly diagnosed with kidney disease. They would be able, like you said, to see specialists, get the services that they need so then they could be placed on better treatment plans at an earlier stage in their kidney disease. And then, of course, they would be placed on transplant lists earlier as well. But they have this in there and Black patients, they're getting referred later. You have to wait longer, one, to get on the list. But then once you're on the list, you're waiting longer than you really should. 
And then that means that your disease is progressing more rapidly than it would in other people. Right. We talked about the early criticism of the study and then they repeated it and they decided to go with this multiplication factor anyway, based off of race and Mm -hmm. using race in medicine. It doesn't make sense because we learned that race is a social construct. Exactly. It isn't a biological category or marker. Looking at your ancestry, that's biological. Where you come from, that's more accurate than race. So just looking at a patient's skin color isn't an accurate reflection of their ancestry. Just labeling somebody as Black or non-Black. There's distinct differences between Black African-Americans and also newly arrived African immigrants. And then you also have Afro-Latinos. Mm-hmm. Would you check Black or would you check non-Black? It becomes so confusing. And then you also have people who are mixed race or have multiple races. How do you factor that in? There was one case, there was a biracial woman. She typically identifies as Black, but when she was in kidney failure, she requested to her race to be labeled as white so that she could be evaluated for a kidney faster. You literally have to deny a part of your identity so Mm -hmm. the U.S. health system will recognize that you need a life-saving surgery at the appropriate time instead of waiting until later because, you know, you're Black and actually, you know, your kidneys are doing better than the normal equation is that we use for everybody else. Exactly. And you can't just rely on race, just two simple categories as black or non-black. No. But like we said, in 2009, this became the standard. What's also interesting, too, is that they don't use the race correction at all when you Mm -hmm. evaluate a child's kidney function. Or it's like, so what, you turn 18 and magically that's when the black, non-black equation comes into play. But before then, you use the regular equation. I'm like, I'm wondering how that's working out. Because... It just, it truly makes no sense that people have held on to this and used it as though it's correct when time and time again, it's clearly wrong and you're harming people. You're allowing people now to end up in late stage kidney failure because you won't acknowledge and listen. Right. And some medical students from various institutions such as Harvard, the University of Washington, and other schools, they began to question why we were using race correction tools in medicine. So one student, they pointed out in their social science classes, they were learning that race is a social construct and it's not reliable for detecting genetic differences. But once they go to their medical classes, they are seeing a race-based calculation being used. That got them wondering, like, is this race-based calculation contributing to the disparities that we are seeing? In 2015, the medical student from Harvard, they formed a coalition of students who got together to study and evaluate the use of race in various medical practices including the estimated kidney function equations. And eventually in 2017, they were able to convince a medical center in Boston to drop its use of the Black 
EGFR. And this was a major milestone. And other medical systems eventually began to do the same thing and question why are we using this race correction? I also thought it was important to point out that the students recognized that there was a contradiction in what they were learning. And so what they did, they used science to see if this race factor is necessary in medicine. Once they they took their results of their research and then they advocated to change. Yeah, that's so important where they saw that this is a problem, what is going on, and then decided, let's do something about it. So many health disparities and racist ideologies, they still persist to this day, and it's because people don't challenge it. People can acknowledge that something's wrong, and you go, oh, that's too bad, and you just move on with your life, or so many people because it doesn't affect you. I'm sure there are so many other medical students who have gone through the same classes as these students and questioned and wondered, what in the world are y'all talking about? And unfortunately, they didn't speak up. They didn't advocate. They didn't do more than just go, okay, well, this what y'all said it is. I guess we're going to stick with it and stick with the status quo. It's so great that they did speak up and advocate for people because changing this is so important. You're literally going to help save lives by removing this race correction that is so flawed. Exactly. In 2020, the National Kidney Foundation and the American Society of Nephrology, they formed a task force to debate the pros and cons of using race in the estimated GFR calculation. And eventually in 2021, they issued a report stating that they no longer recommend the use of race in equations. They recommended an immediate implementation of a new diagnostic equation that did not factor in race. And Andrew Levy, the original guy of the study, he even pointed out he wished he had done things differently and investigated further why there was a difference in serum creatinine in Black people. And he was one of the people that was instrumental in getting the new diagnostic tool that does not factor in race. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that's important that he can finally come back later on and go, I messed up this, like, we need to change this. It's just unfortunate that it took so long how many Black people ended up in late stage kidney failure because of this racist equation. Even though in 2020 and 2021, there were debates and push to go away with the race-based calculation, it still wasn't implemented nationwide. So some hospitals were doing away with it. And a lot of times, like major medical centers, they'll do away with it first, and then it'll take time for it to trickle down to other smaller hospitals or just to get it implement it across the board. So despite recommending that the race correction calculation be taken away, it still stood in Nicole Jefferson's path when she was trying to get listed for her kidney transplant at a hospital in Minnesota. Nicole Jefferson, she was eventually able to get a new kidney transplant after she listed herself at hospitals all over the country. So she couldn't just list herself in Minnesota 
at the top institution, she had to list herself all over the country. In April 2020, she got a call at two in the morning that there was a match. So she had to board a plane from Dallas, where she was currently living, to go to Iowa to get her transplant. So now she's an advocate for other back patients that are battling kidney disease. And she says she hears a lot of stories from other people that are going through the same thing and that they face so many barriers just to get access to treatment, also to get on the transplant list. And depending on the hospital facility or the nephrologist that you're working with, the race correction in EGFR could still make it harder for Black people. And then we also wanted to point out that kidney disease disparities are very complex and require multifactorial solutions. So just like researchers pointed out, racial disparities in chronic kidney disease have existed long before they started using the race correction in the equation. And they were well documented in the 1980s. And that was before the equation came out in the 1990s. One study even found that Black patients who qualified for transplants with a race-adjusted score were still not getting them. So there's so many different levels to this health disparity. Mm -hmm. Simply removing the, the race correction from the EGFR will not solve all the problems, and it won't completely close the disparity gap alone. It's just so important that we acknowledge when something is clearly flawed and wrong that, you know, you then work to fix that and make that correction and based off of science and not just some random assumption that you want to go with because that's the easy way out. Exactly. So it's great that they are working to eliminate this race correction from being used, but this is the tip of the iceberg. There are still several layers and barriers that need to be addressed, including access to prevention care, which goes back to access to quality insurance, the type of doctors that you see. So this is just one barrier that hopefully we are able to tackle, but there are other deeper issues and barriers that are still rooted in racism that we need to address. Yes. So now we want to highlight an organization that is working to address those other factors at play when it comes to the health disparities with kidney disease in Black people. And that's the Northwestern Medicine African American Transplant Access Program. And that is led by the founding director, Dr. Danae Simpson who is a Northwestern Medicine transplantation surgeon. With this program, Dr. Simpson is committed to breaking down barriers to transplant care in the African-American community through access to education, resources, and world-class transplant care. And actually, Dr. Simpson is the first African-American female transplant surgeon in the state of Illinois She founded this program to address the disparity in access to transplantation experience by African-Americans in this country. This program is so important because, like we've said, 
this is a very complex issue and it's not just one simple solution of removing the the race correction in the equation there are so many other things that affect black people and other marginalized communities and their access to care that result in us having these terrible statistics when it comes to kidney disease and we have to truly understand more about kidney disease and how marginalized communities have to navigate through these health systems to then really fix the deep-rooted problems here. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to point out or mention Dr. Simpson, she being the first African-American female transplant surgeon in the whole state of Illinois. Wow. <laughs> but... It's also amazing that she recognized that there are barriers in place that are causing African-Americans to have higher risk factors, such as having higher rates of hypertension and diabetes, which is leading to kidney disease. And then once they have kidney disease, managing kidney disease and the process to getting on the transplant list. Mm-hmm. You have to address so many factors, and her program is amazing. And so a part of the AATAP program is where providers address patient distrust of healthcare. They talk about cultural competency and make sure that providers embrace the unique and rich culture and experience of Black Americans. They tackle health literacy where, you know, you got to break down a diagnosis and treatment and the language behind it. And they also provide psychosocial support because as they put it, a transplant care goes beyond the operating room and they have team members in place to help connect patients and their families with resources that are needed from like insurance assistance to support groups. They're looking at all the barriers that people may face and making sure they have the resources that they need. So if the patient doesn't trust the healthcare system or the providers, they're less likely to follow up with the treatments that are recommended. And with kidney disease and other chronic issues that you have, you have to see your doctors regularly. You got to make sure you're going to appointments. And Cultural competency and health literacy, those are key things. Being able to connect with your patient where they are and just breaking down the information that's easy for them to understand. Because doing the research for this episode, understanding creatinine, glomerular filtration rate, I had to reread the articles over and over, look for other articles that broke topics down into more digestible forms for me to understand. And I have a healthcare background, but it's still certain things that I don't understand. Nephrology, dealing with your kidneys and just chronic diseases such as hypertension and diabetes, it's a lot to understand. And also that psychological support. This is something that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. And like we were saying in the episode, even though you may get the transplant, there's still you still have to follow up, go to appointments with your nephrologist. Even if you're on dialysis, going three to four times a week and then adding on your doctor's appointments and different things, you need a lot of resources from your family and also other support groups. And you may need financial assistance. 
it's so many things getting the transport you need to get to all these appointments so it's a lot of different things and her program is so great because it is looking at all these barriers and looking at the resources that people need in order to have improved health outcomes and hopefully this program motivates other doctors in this field to create them at their own institutions and hospital systems to to help those patients that really need it. And it would be nice too, if this could be on a federal level where this is just built into every health system, every hospital in America, because there's a clear problem. People can see a clear problem. We, We need to work towards fixing it and really addressing the the root cause of things. Yes, and that's a big reason why we wanna highlight organizations that are working to break down barriers and that are coming up with unique solutions to address these barriers so that other institutions, other providers, they can see what is working and start to implement them in their practice so that these become the standard. The same way researchers, they implemented that race correction. This is looking at disparities from all angles and addressing people that probably are often going to be ignored. Like, say, for example, the patient isn't coming to your appointments. They're missing certain things. You're looking at, do they have the resources to get to those appointments? What's going on? Do they have a car? Is it out their way? do they not understand what's going on? So just providing these additional resources. So hopefully more people start to develop programs like this or to implement these resources that Dr. Danae Simpson has been doing. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Hopefully, the removal of the race multiplier in the EGFR serves as a catalyst to tackle other barriers that have led African Americans to have increased rates of kidney disease. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss, share your own personal story, or shout out an organization or individual, please email us at distrustindisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and Twitter at Distrust Pod.